Wally Coyote only ever falls when he looks down. He's always running in midair, mm. and he only ever starts falling when he realizes that he's in midair. Hi, you're listening to At Home in the Mind with me, Vika. This podcast was originally going to be called On the Road in the Mind, as in February, I set off to spend the last two years of my 20s traveling the world. Two years, however, quickly turned to seven weeks as the world plummeted into crisis following the coronavirus pandemic. For me, this was a huge loss, not only because discovering the world has been something I've always wanted to do, but also because I have come to believe it essential for my mental health. Much of my 20s was spent only looking out for others, totally neglecting myself in the process. As I have slowly been re-emerging and gaining self-awareness, talking to friends and family, I have realized that everyone at some point or other in life deals with major or minor mental health issues. Now that billions around the world are stuck in their homes, many unsure how to cope in isolation, I decided to invite some for a chat to talk through current or past issues and resolutions. My hope is that by sharing these conversations, someone suffering miles away will feel less alone and better able to help themselves. The more we know, the better we can equip ourselves with the tools we need to heal and seek help. Welcome to the sixth episode of At Home in the Mind. It's the evening here. I'm finally recording this preamble after a long day of, I was going to say editing, but really it was mostly procrastinating. I have to say that I haven't been as productive this week as I would like. I'm worried about starting a job next week, which will require me to pick it up a notch because I've been taking the piss a little bit, I have to say. Uh, but don't worry, this podcast will continue and will only grow in strength. At least that's what I hope and want. <laughs> and we have some excellent guests lined up, the most recent of which is my sixth guest, Carlos. I've known Carlos uh, for about 15 years now. Uh, he is my fiancé's best friend and they are both members of the band Low Island. As Carlos lives very close to us, it is strange not to see him every day, so it was lovely to catch up in this slightly unorthodox fashion. We had some technical difficulties leading up to the interview, so Carlos ended up having to do the interview on his phone, and surprisingly, the audio came out really well. On my end, I've gotten a headphone mic situation, which has also improved the audio, but I'm looking into getting a proper microphone just to really make this feel like a proper podcast. As always, I'd like to stipulate that we can only talk from our own perspectives, fully aware that mental health issues affect everyone in different ways. I'll chat some more to you at the other end of this. Let's start, shall we? Carlos, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on despite all the tech difficulties that we faced. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to bring the, this incompetence into your podcast. <laughs> There's been plenty of incompetences um, in the podcast. The sound quality has been terrible throughout, so don't worry. <laughs> this, feels like pro this feels promising though. I feel like we've got a good connection now. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. feeling good. I'm feeling good from this point onwards. Fingers crossed. The last hour, things were hanging in the balance. Give our listeners like a visual of where you are at the moment. The visual. I'm in my bedroom, which I've turned into a kind of studio. So it's small, but I've made it really nice in here. One of my cupboard doors fell off 
So that's that's <laughs> had to be moved, but I've been able to turn my cupboard into like a vocal booth. So that in a way, oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, so that's been nice. But yeah, it's kind of it's almost become uninhabitable. One of my dreams is to have a studio that's also a library. So I've got a lot of books in here and a lot of musical equipment. And so far, it seems to be a sort of competition between who can occupy the most space. That no one is winning right now. And it's, <laughs> Not it's the books or the studio or the bed. <laughs> or me. Uh, it's, 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 it's pretty much a lose-lose for everyone. What's it like um, being locked down in that type of room? I mean, look, it's great. I'm really lucky to be where I am. And I have all of my musical equipment and all of my books. And we have a garden. So in that respect, it's been really nice. So yeah, I can't complain about that. Just for full disclosure, Carlos and I have known each other for an extremely long time. And he works with my fiancé, so I know exactly <laughs> what he's doing a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this, this goes back a long way, right? Yeah, and so in that respect, I know the questions to ask him. And one of those is, how was completely shutting out the sun for, I don't know how many weeks because you tried to block out Birdsong. Could you talk to our listeners about all of that? So we were recording our album just before the coronavirus crisis kicked off. Also, just to bear in mind, you hadn't seen people in that time. So like, what was that range of time? So we'd we'd already had four weeks of working on the record with our band, Low Island. We were working on the record in France and we came back to the UK just as the lockdown started to set in. And I still had all the vocals to do. So I came back to my bedroom here and had to do them all here. It took me two weeks. And maybe we'll get onto it later, but it was not how I'm used to working. In a way, it was good because it, it kept me in a routine and kept me really focused and busy. But also, I had to basically do all the vocals on my own. And if you ask anyone in the band, I'm not good at completing things on my own. I'm quite obsessive and I'm not good at getting stuff to the finish line, you know? So I had to do that, which was really challenging. And yes, I spent the first week just trying to soundproof the room because the bird song was so loud that getting on all the recordings. And then also the washing machine turns Uh. on and that kind of shakes the whole house or, you know, these are small problems, but when you're trying to record an album, they're not ideal. So I had to cover the window with a duvet. And so for the kind of two weeks where it was really sunny at the start of lockdown, my room was just a black box, a cell. And I was standing in my cupboard. But in a way, it was good and we've got it finished and we're proud. You know, it's it's not the end of the world, but it was was interesting. But yeah, when you get into your head anyway, you know, if you've got no one there to guide you and tell you that's good, let's move on, and you're getting into your own head anyway with self-criticism or whatever it else it is, to be in that same room for everything, work, mm. sleep, and still be a cell and dark must have been terribly difficult. It's, 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 it's weird. I think we all get used to a certain way of working. And certainly for me, the creative dynamic of working with other people when we're trying to take stuff to the finish line is really important to me. So on a creative level, Working on my own is something I'm adjusting to. I'm great at, I really enjoy coming up with ideas and Mm. the sort of inception part of the creative process. But when it comes to taking stuff to the finish line, I need other people to encourage me. I remember I worked for someone who said he needed cheerleaders in the room to go like, yeah, go on, you can do it. (laughs) 
Yeah. And that's when, I, when we're getting, to, you know, when you're recording a vocal, I need the cheerleaders to say, that was good. Let's finish it. Let's draw a line. Because otherwise, you know, I mean, I think I spent like three days doing just one song. Because you can always go, oh, it'll be better. I could do it better. I could do it better. And there's no one there to draw the line. I've been thinking about the great motivation behind this podcast. And for me, I feel like that sort of is a microcosm of something that probably is happening to people all over the world that this environment can exacerbate aspects of your personality, which, you know, or like if you're anxious or if you're depressive or if you're obsessive, I think this situation can exacerbate those problems. You know, they say that um, that's happening with nations, that coronavirus has exacerbated existing tensions and inequalities. And I think Mm -hmm. we can probably say the same thing about our personalities in a way. If you were already suffering from little or big problems, this environment isn't necessarily conducive to making those better. Yeah. Um, and I, I've certainly found that, you know, I'm a workaholic, I'm obsessive, I get stuck in my head a lot and trying to work on stuff on my own, I get really stuck and I could work on something for four days, yeah. just one thing. So it was interesting. <laughs> But it's great. I'm glad it's over, I've got to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great that you can recognize that those sides of you exist and that yeah. is exacerbated because then, then you can move on and work on that. You know, whereas. Definitely. And I, and I think it will be, and I think for me, if I can come out of the lockdown having worked out how to be a bit more effective on my own, that would be a victory. What would be terrible is if they end the lockdown and I'm still trying to figure it out because then, then I'd have just fallen into crisis during right. the lockdown and not solved it. <laughs> so yeah, if I, anything, I'm pining for an extension of the lockdown so I can get through so I can work through this yeah. and come out yeah. stronger. <laughs> at, the moment, at the moment, I'm sort of in the trough. In the pits. I need, I need to sort of come out the other side. But like I say, look, you know, these are small problems to have, but within the context of our band and creative stuff, those are definitely well, the existing challenges. It, it's your everyday life, you know, it's what you do yeah, all the time. Totally. So um, totally. it's really important. But that, what you said, it sounds like um, a really bad therapy session. I One of the first people I saw for therapy uh-huh. just, just sort of broke me down and left me in those pits, just bawling, crying and broken. And there's like, okay, right. bye, that's the end of our session now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, exactly. Oh, okay. Lockdown is like, exactly. Lockdown is like the therapist that is just completely destroying me. And then I, but I need to, I need to sort of build it back up again. Yeah, it's difficult. And I think you, you get used to ways of working with people. And Jamie also in the band, I always record with him. And, you know, he's a great person to record with. He's very encouraging and he gives great feedback. And it's suddenly, as soon as you just remove that aspect, I've lost a huge part of the process. Yeah. And I then have to also sort of be Jamie, Yeah. for example. And, you know, that becomes very difficult when you're trying to kind of occupy both of those spaces. So I think as a, certainly for me, and it's made me also feel a lot of admiration for artists who work more on their own, you know, like I really like someone like James Blake or mm-hmm. Kevin Parker and Tame Impala. I know those guys basically make the records on their own. And I just have huge respect for that because I think you have to, it's so common for artists to be insecure. Yeah. And to be able to finish stuff on your own is, is quite something. And, and also, I think there's like a conceptual thing of committing to a finished product. That's also difficult because it's something which has existed for a long time as a possibility and as a hypothetical. It's like this, you know, in my head, the song could sound like this. Yeah. And then suddenly when it comes to recording it, you're sort of saying, well, this is as good as I can, this is as good as it will be and as good as it will ever be. And I think that's also a difficult mindset for creative people is to say, well, you know, so you have to stand by that. You have to say this is as good as it will ever be. 
this is the final version. And I certainly find that very hard to do on my own because we're our worst critics. And yeah, I think um, but this is why live shows must be really fun because you can actually experiment with the song during a live show. And yeah, definitely. Although, I, although increasingly now people film shows. I would love for shows never to be filmed. I like the idea of stuff happening and it just existing as a one time thing and it yeah. never happening again. Because I, I do think like those are two very separate things, like a good performance on record is not necessarily a great performance live. Sure. And so again, people who manage to strike that balance, I have a lot of respect for. But going back to what you're saying that you want like a studio library thing, from what I gather from Jamie, your album is very much linked to books and characters and yes. books. And yes. it also links into what this podcast is about as well. So could you talk through what that yeah. all is? Um, I guess I found a lot of kinship with a lot of characters that I would have been reading about over the last couple of years. Like, I actually don't know how to say his name, so I only ever read it written down, but Watanabe, Watanabe from Norwegian Wood. Or um, there was a play that I went to see called People, Places and Things, and there's a character in it called Emma. She's the lead. Or there's... A more classic example would be Holden from The Capture in the Rye or there's Malcolm from A A Little Life. And I just, I saw something in all of those characters and it made me realise why I liked them so much or sympathise with them because there was a sort of constant conflict of wanting to to love and to feel loved but also to be very afraid of a lot of those things as well. Right. And to be sort of sceptical of aspiring towards conventional things but also at the same time, feeling that those things were missing within their own lives. And I've resonated with a lot of those characters, I think. And it helped me to kind of create some of the lyrical world around the album. These sort of people who are deeply sceptical about a lot of things, but fundamentally, they're also romantic. And, and, you know, so I I think that there was something about that, which I really like. The pretentious way of calling it, I guess, would be like romantic nihilism. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's like, you know, they're not so, um, are not so sort of cynical that they don't believe in love. Right. So their, their cynicism kind of reaches that point. Okay. That's why I really like them. So a lot of the, I guess, yeah, a lot of the record is, has shades of that in it. And do you find that you process a lot of what you're going through through fictional characters? Do you find yourself relating to a certain character so much you're like, oh, wait, I do actually act like that and do that. And maybe this is a similar reason why. Yeah, I I definitely think so. I mean, a lot of the examples are escaping me now. But I I think for me, it's also, it is to do with relating to the characters and sort of seeing shades of your own either thought processes or decision-making processes within other characters and helping to kind of shine a light on your own way of working things out. For me, I read something and it's in a way of articulating emotions that help me to then understand either myself or things more broadly. Like one of the quotations that I kept on kind of showing to the band and we kept on coming back to was this one from People, Places and Things. And I'm still trying to really work out what it means, but she talks about, or someone in the play talks about Wiley Coyote, you know, from... um, What's that? Looney Tunes? Uh, from Wacky, yeah, from Looney Tunes or Wacky yeah, Races. Yeah, yeah. And the quotation is something along the lines of, Wally Coyote only ever falls when he looks down. He's always running in midair. Mm-hmm. And he only ever starts falling when he realizes that he's in midair. And then it says, don't look down. And we were right. playing with that as a name for the record. But I always liked that, for example, because it's, there was something about that which suggested to me where we keep our awareness on a day-to-day basis. 
You know, that's, really, um, that's, that's a great quote. Yeah, at the moment, the way I interpret it, I come at it from the mindful angle of saying, if we're present, we can hold things in a in a tighter shape. Yeah. But I, I sort of change how I feel about it a lot of time. But I guess, yeah, that, I guess I see, when I see stuff articulated in a very clear way or a way in which resonates with me, that's what I really love about fiction. And also just to be able to learn, I love learning about other experiences and and having my eyes open from my room, which is so important right now. Yeah. You know, and we've been in Oxford recording and living for a long time, but, but reading has allowed me really to like... To escape. It sounds, yeah, yeah it's, it also it sounds, um, it sounds cliche, but it's allowed me to sort of travel the world. You know, like I love Adichie and it's, I've learned a lot about Nigeria and the civil wars there or the conflicts there and all the characters and the uh, tension between different sort of religious sects or whatever. You know, I don't know. It's for me, it's been a really good way of learning and appreciating things. Going back to live shows, as I understand it, they're basically super important to keep musicians going. Yeah. So Definitely. what were the stresses of being a musician before and what does it mean not doing live shows now and the prospect of not knowing when the next live show will be? I think you can't help but feel a bit dismayed when you look at the picture musically of the outlook of the next year and beyond. Right now, potentially 82% of independent venues in the UK might close. 75% of people who work in music are self-employed and we all know how difficult that is right now to get the right kind of benefits from the government and to get uh, get a payment that fairly reflects how much you earn. And yes, the live thing is just a huge, it's a huge problem and it's a butterfly effect really because it is your main source of revenue as an artist and it's also a way in which you promote your music and you connect with your fans and also the way, a way in which you sell merch. And merch is a massive source of revenue for artists as well after touring or sometimes before touring. So it's quite difficult to be hopeful right now. And what that also means is I think people are moving online and trying to work out how to do live streams. And the big talk now is whether you can monetize a live stream. Can Will people pay to watch a live stream? Mm. Because obviously so many artists are not going to be able to play concerts for some time, particularly, interestingly, it's obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me initially. Artists with an older audience, you know. Right. If you're an artist where your audience is kind of 50, 60 plus, it's unlikely that the, that age demographic is going to be going to concerts anytime soon. So what do we do? And obviously paying for a live stream is the way forward. But the difficulty with that is that artists being the good natured people that they are have already set a precedent of giving away all of their things for free a lot of the time yeah, and doing their live streams for free. So it's very difficult now, I think, for people to suddenly maneuver and to say, sorry, you need to pay for this. You know, and there are a few examples like Erica Badu has her own world where you pay a little bit, but that's kind of the precedent that she has set up. Yeah. It's difficult, I think, if you started doing stuff for free and then suddenly you're saying, hey guys, please pay five quid to come and watch me do a concert, which two weeks ago you watched me do for free. So that's a challenge for sure. And I feel for all of the crew, people who work as agents, people who work as tour managers, people who work as roadies, people who work as sound engineers, because also their careers, I don't say this in a pejorative way, but we're more one-dimensional. 
mm-hmm. an artist can still make stuff and sure. you know release a single. Whereas if you're a sound engineer, you know you need shows. Yeah. So I feel I really feel for for the live industry, and I fear for it as well. But there's ingenuity out there, and hopefully we can kind of work something out. <laughs> the, I mean, the monetized live stream is thing is an is an option, and also there are other things that little kind of adrenaline shots that the government could do. For example, it could, you know, books don't have VAT. They could do the same thing for vinyl, for example. Right. There's little moves that the industry could make. And also the UK government has been really reticent in supporting the cultural sector. Like Germany has been much more forthright. Sweden has been much more forthright. So the UK needs to step up as well. There's a lot of things that need to happen. So yeah, it's difficult to be an artist right now, but hopefully people will figure something out. Well, it's quite telling that the last things to be officially closed down by the government were theatres and Mm. restaurants and all that because they didn't want to officially support them until the last... You know, it just shows where the priorities lie. Of, Definitely. Um, and, that, and that also, that made, that was something I really wanted to say as well on this on the show, is that I think art is always an afterthought. And, it, and I can so understand why. If you're someone who's sitting at home watching the news and either you are yourself financially struggling or alternatively, you want to give to something. Yeah. And you're seeing on the news nurses short of PPE or social care workers short of PPE or domestic violence on the rise, why the hell would you give money to a venue? There are so many things which feel more important and I completely understand. But I would also argue quite strongly for art and and the case for art, especially now, because the the global instincts, especially of nations, is going to be to turn inwards now, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And art is such a glue that binds society, it transcends borders, it transcends ethnicity and sexuality and all the rest of it. And it also, I think what we have seen, provides this really important sense of community. That totally. I think one of, the, one of the things that people are really enjoying right now is seeing their artists do a good performance and talk to their fans. And I've, I've loved watching artists do all these Q&As on their Instagram lives and all that stuff feels really important right now. So I think mm. in a way... There's this cruel irony that, that we sort of feel like we might enter into a really difficult time for art when we need it more than ever. Um, well, yeah, like what, what is that frontline response person going to want to do after a really hard day, stressful day at work? They're going right, to want exactly. to experience some sort of art, whether that's music or film or whatever it is. Film, theatre, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, and, I, and I think art has a really important role to play and it shouldn't be an afterthought. But I also completely recognize that people will struggle to, or, or, you know, it's so difficult to know who to give your money to if you want to give money, or if you, or, and also you might not have any money. Yeah. So you're on furlough or whatever it is, or you've, lost, furlough, or you, or you've lost your job. You've lost your job, you've lost your business, and, you know, you're already living on the breadline. So I completely understand that, you know, art is not at the top of people's priorities, but I think our responsibility as artists is to keep making the case for it and to say, this matters, this important. It has a really important role to play, not just now, but as we move forward. And the, and the other thing I think as well is that artists are always great at being the first responders. You know, who are the people trumpeting the stay-at-home message when this crisis kicked off? Who are the people who are the first in line to trumpet charities and stuff like that? So artists have a really important platform and role to play in these kind of moments. And yeah, all of us have to keep making a case for it and not feel sort of cowed by governments who don't want to support the sector, you know? 
Yeah. And as an artist yourself, how are you managing all that stress? I think the thing is, like, like I said, like, it's for us, you know, the future feels really uncertain. We just made an album and like, I know that it's going to be incredibly difficult to get someone on board to support us, you know, financially, like a, a record label. If a record label can't even pay its own staff, unlikely that it's going to suddenly want to sign a, a new band. But I think the great thing for us is that we're still able to make stuff and make work and practice and get better at our instruments and whatever else. So like, there's, there's a lot to do. So it's kind of like managing the long term and the short term. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you want to completely take your eye off the long term because it's got, you have to reconcile with it at some point or another. It's very easy to set yourself very achievable goals in the days because there's always there's always stuff to do. But then you kind of go like, yeah, but what about the actual like moment where we need to release this thing? It's like, ah, let's forget it. <laughs> Don't that's worry about a, that. That's for future us to worry about. That's, that's not. That's, 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 that's the future. Forget about that. I'm like that as well. I'm like that as well. So many people have asked me, when are you going to go traveling again and stuff? And right. my survival technique is, I wake up today. And I decide what today is. What has the world decided today is? Oh, it's still locked out. Cool. That's today. <laughs> but, I mean, that must be so... How, did, how long did it take you to like adjust to that? The, uh, I, because I was thinking like the, the difficult... One of the things that's so hard about now as well is like not being given an endpoint. And yeah. like, you know, when you, like, like, you know, when you go on holiday, when it's over, it's over. Yeah. And you go home and it's imagine and it's like no one wants to be at the airport and be like, well, maybe they do, but I think it's quite discombobulating people to be at the airport and say, by the way, you can have another you have to have another two weeks of holiday. Similarly, because everybody's like, shit, I've packed. Yeah. Like I left. Yeah. Like yeah. psychologically, I'm done. The holiday's finished. Yeah. And I guess it must have been similar similar for you, because it was like you had two years set up in your mind. Yeah. I just uh, it must have been really weird. What was heartbreaking was that it felt like the, you know, when the rug is pulled under from under you and this was the first decision I'd made 100% for myself in my 20s. So it was like, oh, okay, I'm not allowed nice things. (laughs) I decide for myself. Um, So like the day I realized, oh, I have to go home now. That was a really hard day. But I was in Puerto Rico in the sunshine and I could cry out and everyone there was like family. And so I got lots of hugs and lots of reassurance and it was very nice. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like it was a nice crowd. Like I, I, I listened to the podcast with Andrew. Yeah. And it sounds like you just had a really nice supportive team out there. Absolutely. Everyone was just, and everyone, everyone was feeling the same way as well. Right. Because the program had, was meant to have ended anyway, but two weeks later, we were preparing for the end of the program and, and we were going to finish an X number of houses before the program ended. And the fact that we had to drop those projects all of a sudden, not finish those houses. I was team lead on a new house. The homeowner was someone suffering from Alzheimer's and she was looking after her son who had other serious mental health issues. And it was just so rewarding to help her and know that we were doing up her house and making her life better. Mm. And to drop that project all of a sudden, like three days into doing it when we were making such progress and everyone was in the same boat. You know, it felt like abandoning these people. Totally, yeah, when, totally. When we were going to, you know, close off everything nicely and do a smooth transition of everything. So everyone was heartbroken for the same sort of reasons. And uh, when I was in my layover at Miami, that's also when the, 
UK position changed from Boris saying, ah, your family members will die, but keep calm, carry on, to actually let's probably stay home and be locked down. And right, it was at right. that point where I was like, oh, yeah, I need to find my lockdown place because right, yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. right now I can't be... I need to be out in the world. Yeah, yeah I, need, I need somewhere where I can process this and feel safe and okay. And, and also, I also think like feel near the people you love because there's always, there's always that question mark, isn't there? Especially now that, you know, God forbid if something happened to, to the people who you care about, it would have been so difficult to be thousands of miles away. Yeah, I mean, I did debate just being locked down in Costa Rica. But yeah, what you just mentioned, plus the medical fees. I was like, do I want to be where the NHS is? I totally understand, but it must have been such a hard decision all the same. Yeah, but, but what you said, sorry, of getting to that, I take each day as it comes. That was pretty immediate because I sort of knew that if right. I didn't do that, you know, I had my whole day of crying. And then after that, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Well, that's, that's good. It. That was, yeah, if you, you fast-tracked the grief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I still don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing before this, so. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a bit how I feel as well. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about this, but feel free to say no. No, go ahead. Being a single person during this time, mm. What's, mm. what's that like? People are not talking about the sexual recession enough. I think this will come maybe into a question that the, one of the questions you ask at the end, but I think mm -hmm. it's like, I can't pretend that I gave my love life a lot of attention before yeah. coronavirus kicked yeah. off. But it was, more, it was more that the possibility that it could kick off was yes. available. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that you're very aware of a lack of possibility in so many areas mm. and love definitely falls into that. You are very limited in what, in what you can do, but hopefully it's definitely made me think as well that I need to make more of an effort. <laughs> but so, do you know yeah. if people are still on the dating apps, just chatting to each other or is that? For full disclosure, if that's what this is all about, I did start speaking to a lovely girl before and who I've continued to speak to throughout this thing. And, you know, I don't want to jinx it, but I hope, I hope we get to hang out afterwards. That I'm sure that is what people are doing. I know, in fact, I know that's what people are doing. So they're just um, sort of keeping in touch and sort of trying to maintain it. So that but also it's nice, to, you know, it's nice to have some company. Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think there are so many things which we took for granted before that you're not able to do now. And yeah, when you have the possibility to do something, you're, you just yeah. take it for granted because you're like, oh, I'll do that. I'll do that whenever. Right. It's always, it's right. always going to be possible. And then when that's not possible anymore, you're like, oh, oh, crap. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Exactly. And I think, I think that's in a way what I miss the most. I wouldn't say that my, you know, obviously like we're not able to gig right now. and We're not able to, to, to play any shows and that's a big change. But tragically, uh, perhaps, but also serendipitously, my life hasn't changed radically. <laughs> But yeah. The, yeah. But the but the um but the, the, the horizon the, has has the possibilities uh, yeah. for things I could do ha have suddenly disappeared and, and that feels that feels very strange because it's like whilst my day to day routine maybe hasn't changed that much the idea that it cannot change is what is the pro is the problem yeah. <laughs>
So have you found that you have been feeling quite cabin feverish because that lack of possibility has been ever present in your mind? Or It's more just a sense of suddenly all of those things just feel incredibly special. The things that you that you can't do anymore. And social media is terrible for that because you're constantly reminded of a holiday or just pictures of more than one person standing on their own. And I think that's, that's what I really miss. I think it's just the idea of being able to do that. What I, I hope is that I will actually start doing more of those things. That it will drive you to take the opportunities, those opportunities. Yes, more. yeah. But... What are you most grateful for during this time? Has it allowed right. you to do things you haven't been able to do previously? I am grateful for, I'm grateful for another idea. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm grateful for is that whilst technology has stepped in yeah. and has helped us a lot, I'm grateful that the gloomy predictions of dystopian writers and tech critics or tech doomsayers mm-hmm. that we're all going to just live in a hyper-connected screen world. I feel like this process has reaffirmed in many respects IRL, you know? Yeah. Like people, the thing that people all say is they miss seeing their friends. And yeah. I miss playing gigs and I miss, uh, there's just no, you know, like a live stream in a gig. You just, I mean, there is no comparison. There's no comparison, no, no. There might be for some people, maybe some people, but for me, there's no comparison. Or like I do, I still do a lot of teaching. Teaching is is manifestly worse over a screen. I'm grateful that technology has proved itself to be worse Less than real than. life because because yeah. it, it, it would have been quite heartbreaking if we'd all been like, well, this is great. Let's just talk to each other like this all the time. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I think um, that's been reaffirming in a way that we still need the physical and face to face interactions that we had before. Yeah, as much as you know, people like Forster or whatever would have had us think otherwise. So yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I'm grateful for. But also piggybacking on that question, yeah. is there anything you've discovered that's <clears throat> lifted your spirits on a weekly, daily basis or just has maintained I've that? I've realised that I have also, because unlike most people who have like a, a nine to five, or not nine to five necessarily, but a place of work, you know, the structures of my day have not, change that much mm. but for example my sister has got a sort of off, office job and she very much observes routine but she's also in in working from home found time that she didn't have before where maybe she was traveling to work or yeah. or whatever and so she started doing yoga or or whatever and what it's made me realize is that the time already existed in my day to mm. do some exercise it's not like suddenly I have loads more time, yeah. but it's, it's that I'm realizing that more time exists to maybe go for a run or do some yoga in the morning or do, you know, do a bit more reading or whatever. So that's, I think that's the thing that I've kind of enjoyed. Is, you know, like when suddenly someone says you have an hour a day to exercise, you're like, well, I'm going to take that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. um, I, I don't think I've ever exercised as much in my life. It's because yeah. suddenly someone's saying like, the only way you can leave is if you exercise. Well, I'm going right, to exercise. Right. And suddenly yeah. I realize that that time actually exists. And it existed already, so hopefully I'll carry on doing it. Yeah, um, it's, it's the sort of typical struggle of a self-employed freelance person is, yeah, yeah. is finding the work-life balance because as someone exactly. who works in an office, there's very rigid time limits to, right, exactly. to your day. Exactly. 
Whereas when you plan your own time, when yeah. you organize and plan your own time, it's so difficult to ensure that. Exactly. I don't even really observe the weekend. You know, I always work on the weekends. But even then, like, again, my, my sister who's living here, she on the weekends, like, she'll do other stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's, that looks kind of cool. Like, she's doing, like, something fun, you know? And yeah. I'm, like, sitting in yeah. here working. And I look out the window and she's, like, reading. Enjoy, enjoying herself. Or something. <laughs> enjoying herself. I'm like, wow. That's, I didn't realize that was an option. That's so, what yeah, Saturday and that's, that's why it's different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's been, it's been, it's been sort of eye opening. That's definitely something which I've appreciated from this whole thing. That's nice. What is the first thing you'll do after all of this is over? And when I ask this question, mm. I say in the ideal world that it's over. Then, and then, then, yeah, 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 yeah. There's like a yeah. party popper and coronavirus yes. is finished. Yes, which isn't realistic <laughs> um, whatsoever. <laughs> what I would love to do, right? This is what I would love to do. I would love to get on a flight to Bilbao and then get on a bus through the hills to San Sebastian and go and sit in a crowded bar with a beer and eat some pinchos and have Aww. some food and then go and have a nap on the beach. When I think about that, it just, it makes me smile and feel incredibly sad. Because <laughs> that, that's what I would just love to do right now, you know? That's what I'm pining for, a crowded place with Spaniards shouting at each other. <laughs> and what is your number one survival tip? My number one survival tip, I was thinking about this as well. I think it has to be, personally, get away from your phone. I think, mm. but I have two perspectives here. One, as a sort of creative person, as whatever, a musician, and the other as just a, as a person. There is a real difficulty. There's a pressure now to be, for example, as a musician, to be much more active doing your live streams, making the videos and all that kind of stuff and being on social media. And then also simultaneously everyone going like, well, this is an amazing time to be creative. Mm -hmm. And like one of the facts that gets bandied around a lot now is that like Shakespeare wrote King Lear in quarantine. It's like, I don't think Shakespeare would have written King Lear in quarantine if he had to upload a sonnet to his fucking Instagram every day with the swipe ups of BTS of him conceptualizing the play. That's like, so true. That's so true. No one talks about this enough that there is a huge disconnect between, I might be on my own here, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. There's a huge disconnect between being creative, which yeah. requires focus and concentration and... And real you know, boredom. Real boredom. And, and yeah, exactly. And like time with your thoughts mm -hmm. and like spending loads of time online, which is the opposite. It's like distraction. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no focus, random. Yeah. yeah. I don't think artists talk about that enough because for me, it's, it's an absolute killer. And like the best work I do is when my phone is switched off and it's just away. Mm -hmm. And then also personally as well, I find it really interesting before this whole thing kicked off, everyone was saying, you've got to be careful with social media and spend too much time on it and spend too much time on your phone. And now it's kind of being encouraged. And I get it. You know, this is, the, this is what we have yeah. to talk to each other and to communicate. But like, I still think that time spent away from your phone is really important because I, for me, I have a much, a much greater clarity of thought when I'm not on my phone. Yeah. So, and it's really hard to manage that relationship. Well, especially you know, because, when you're when you're an artist trying to make your way, and yeah, and, yeah, exactly. and at the moment, your fans are more on social media than they ever were before. That's where you connect with them. So, so that's a really hard balance to strike. Yeah, and it's. I mean, the expression is switch off. I think it's really important, and it is really difficult to find that balance, especially now. And also, 
maintaining good relationship between like being informed but not overdoing it and kind of yeah. with, with by, by kind of obsessing over the news because that's you know you could spend your whole day reading about what's going on right now so that's okay. my advice get away from your phone it's very good advice I need to be better at that myself yeah, me too I'm terrible terrible at it well I don't want to take up any more of your time enjoyed it thoroughly and I'm so sorry about the technical don't be sorry disaster <laughs> sorry at all thanks so much for coming on and thanks, being so Vicky. generous with your okay. time yeah it's great you happy with it I'm really happy with it yeah I good. hope you're happy okay, with cool. it I think it was good There's a little squirrel hopping up and down in the garden, enjoying the sun with something in its mouth. I can't quite see what it is, but it's quite sweet. Oh, it's gone into the bush. Anyway, that's the end of our sixth episode. It was so nice to chat to Carlos properly and see his face after... Actually, for me, I think it's been three months because I think the last time I saw him properly was in February when I had my leaving party which turned into an engagement party that's a whole other story yeah so i haven't seen him since i left for puerto rico so it was really really nice to see his face and properly catch up in this way i realized that the podcast is quite self-indulgent in that i have an excuse to be nosy and really deep dive into my friends lives in ways that i otherwise may not feel confident enough to so sorry about that <laughs> but i hope that you found find it interesting and enjoyable i really want to thank all of you who listen every week and especially for me rambling on at the end as well uh, i don't know about you but i really find the different facets of technology and its role in our lives today especially in this context, really fascinating. What Carlos said about those things, really fascinating. And in terms of mental health, really important to talk about. I myself, having started this podcast and obviously keen to maintain and grow interest, have found myself on social media much more than I would like. And I can feel it having an effect on me, especially as I am someone who deals with high-functioning anxiety. And a big symptom of that is constantly keeping the mind busy and distracted. So allowing myself to get truly bored is never a go-to option. But now that I realise that that is perhaps what allowed Shakespeare to write King Lear, I may have better motivation behind truly doing nothing at all. I say that, but we'll see. <laughs> Let me know what you took away from this episode on my Instagram page, the link to which is in the description below. And if you are suffering from any of the issues raised in this episode there are also links in the description to help tune in next week as i talk to jaya a surgeon in london we'll talk about what it's like to be on the front line during this time and what stresses come with that finally as always i want to thank my sister Jania, not only for the logo and constant support with the podcast but also for helping me orchestrate a new and improved look to my instagram which i will launch soon i hope i also want to thank my fiance jamie for composing the theme tune adding that all-important final touch to the audio and constantly coming up with brilliant ideas for the podcast. You can discover more of their talents on their Instagram pages, links in the description below. And of course, thanks to Carlos for spending all day on the interview because of annoying tech issues. So sorry about taking your time like that, but also thank you for being such an amazing, caring and wonderful friend to both me and Jamie. Thanks so much for listening. 
I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next week at home in the mind.